Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson. I hope everyone is doing well, and I want to thank you for listening today. Our guests today are Monica Weekly and Robin Tackett, both who share something absolutely amazing in common. I'm excited for you to learn more about them and their why, as I like to call it, meaning what moved them both to do something so altruistic and compassionate. Also, I want to remind you to visit lifepassiton.org and check out the many stories about donation. You can learn more about the people who became donors, read about the recipients who received the miraculous gifts of organ, tissue, and cornea donation, and how their lives have changed. And you can also read about the individuals who are living donors, as well as those who continue to wait. Again, visit lifepassiton.org. So with that, I would like to welcome Monica and Robin. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing? We're good. Thanks, Andy. Good. This is the first time I've had two people on the podcast, so it's a little different, but I'm, I'm up for the challenge. So thank you for doing this. Of course. So Monica, I'm going to start with you. You and I, actually, you were the first person I ever interviewed for this thing called Life, the podcast. And we talked mm-hmm. last year and uh, your story, I think, is just very special um, in that you made a decision a few years ago to become a living kidney donor. So I'd love to just kind of recap that and, and talk and start there. You got it. In 2007, I gave a kidney to a college friend of mine. Her name is Katie. And uh, we were college friends. And I think I found out maybe in 2006 that Katie was sick and this virus that she had was attacking her kidneys and they were testing all of her family at the time. And they were all very hopeful that they would find a match. And we, as her friends were of course, you know, rooting for her and praying for her. And I remember feeling the tug and saying to her, Hey, I want to be tested. And she said, Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. We're going to be fine. We've got aunts and uncles and cousins and everybody's willing to step up. And I know I'm going to be fine. I said, great, no problem you just let me know because I want to be tested. And I remember hanging up that phone call and I said to my partner at the time, Sharon, well, who's still my partner, but now she's my <laughs> wife, actually. I met, it was my wife at the time. Um, I said, I'm going to help her. I know I'm going to help her. I just felt it. And you and I talked about that. And I know other yeah. people share that kind of experience too. So 2007, I flew out to Salt Lake City. I'm, I'm in Cincinnati and um, donated there at the university hospital there. And uh, how many years later, gosh, now we're at 14 years later, is that right? That uh, Katie is rocking and rolling, doing great. I've had no complications, by far the best thing I ever did in my life. And um, I just can't cheer on people enough to have this experience of donating and what 
what you actually end up receiving from that mm -hmm. gift. Um, I remember is, us talking a lot yeah, about that. Yeah, I had no way to even know or be able to even measure or conceptualize the the gift that it was to me. Mm, I yeah. love that. And so she's, the, she's been about 14, 15 years now and she, then her, the kidney is doing great for her and yep. she's, she's thriving. Amazing. Yep, thriving completely wow. and got to see her kids grow up and yeah. all these things we kind of take for granted. I remember um, I was not very emotional about it the whole time. Like, I, of course, it, you know, there were some emotions around it, but I never really kind of felt the depth of what had happened until she texted me on her daughter's 21st birthday. This was her oldest daughter. And at the time, I believe Emmy was 12. Mm -hmm. So this would have been just eight years in. She texted me and she sent um, a picture uh, across a table at a bar. She was having a, a drink with her daughter on her 21st birthday. <laughs> and she said, I'm sitting here celebrating Emmy on her 21st birthday. Thanks to you. Mm. And I remember receiving that. And it's the very first time I'm actually can cry right now because that was the time that I like, I cried I yeah. that you really felt it. You know, I think I was enough removed from it. And I thought, wow, the impact mm -hmm. of that small, you know, couple weeks out of my life gave her that experience and many more, you know, to come. So right. it was pretty neat little text I got. I should have saved it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I think at that point it, it, it probably hit you just mm -hmm. what, you know, what you actually gave her and that you gave mm -hmm. her all this time to be with family mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to, to celebrate. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's yeah. just amazing. Well, thank you. So fast forward to last year yeah. and the, Donation kind of, you know, you, you were able to give in the way that you did um, so many years ago, but then it kind of comes full circle for you um, and your family. So, yeah, let's talk a, about that. Yeah, a bit of irony is mm. um, we found out a couple years ago, actually, that my mom was in early, early stage kidney failure. Mm -hmm. And of course that panicked me because my mom and I both have the same rare blood type. And I was pretty certain that I would have been able to give her a kidney. Of course, for one flash of a second, I was like, no, but then I knew instantaneously that everything was going to be fine. Karma was on my side. I knew I really didn't doubt that if we got there, that we would be able to find a donor. Uh, but this was early on and, and we did watch her condition deteriorate over time. And and how old is your mom? My mom is 73. I hope she doesn't get upset for me. Asking she that won't. Question. She'll be fine. She looks like she's about oh, 60, doesn't she, Robin? Yeah, she looks yeah. fantastic. She looks fantastic. <laughs> So right before the pandemic hit, so my, my mom got very sick in the you know end of 2019 and early 2020, and we actually made the decision to sell her house and move her in to be with us so that we could you know just be closer to her. And so lucky that we did because then COVID hit, and I mm -hmm. can't imagine trying to care for her from a distance because she did get very sick very quick and was in in-stage renal failure during COVID. And, was, um, was there something that um, that led to this, the the kidney failure or is just over time, just 
they're still trying to still trying to figure, figure that, that out. out. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I think we stopped trying to figure it out at yeah. one point. It was like, look, that it is what it is. Although I was concerned, hey, what if we get our kidney and this problem is still a problem? And, mm-hmm. and they just weren't concerned with that. They felt for whatever reason that um, there were some uh, ideas of what it was, mm-hmm. but you know, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody ever had a hundred percent confidence in that diagnosis. And did she, did Nan, and your mom's name is Nancy. Did, yes. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Um, she's listening. Um, did Nancy go on dialysis at any point? No, but she was okay. very close, okay. although that was going to be a battle mm-hmm. to get her there. She was reading too much on, <laughs> on the internet, as you can do, and get all kinds of misinformation and and right information, you know, about the ups and downs of that right there. And also uh, thinking about her doing it in the middle of a pandemic and having to be, you know, choose whether or not to do it at home or go to a, a clinic or a facility or whatever. Those were things we just hoped we never had to cross. Right. And of course they shut down all yes. of the surgeries. They weren't yep. doing the, they called them elective surgeries, which is a whole nother discussion. Which never, that never, ever made sense to me. No. How you no. can qualify that it's an elective surgery. Yeah. I said, I want you to come over here and spend a day with my mom and tell me that this is something that can be put off because I right. wasn't seeing that. But right. We were seeing it differently and the hospitals got the final say on that. So right. we waited. But in the meantime, I put out, a video on Facebook to friends and acquaintances uh, the same and just asked if people would raise their hands and be tested. And I didn't expect the the answers we got. I mean, we got a lot of people that raised their hands. Um, interestingly enough, though, when push came to shove, some of those people either got nervous or a family member was afraid to let them do it or for whatever reason, it just wasn't the right time. Mm. And so that number uh, that started out quite big, uh, reduced. Shrunk pretty quickly. Yeah, it did. And then those incredible people that got tested, you know, some of them weren't able to or weren't a match. So we kept dwindling it down, dwindling it down until the hero (laughs) emerged from, uh, you know, the skies. And, uh, and that's where Robin comes in, who has been a friend of mine for a long time. And my mom's known Robin for a long time too. And we have a close relationship with her already. So it was even more amazing. So, okay. So let's, let's enter in the hero of the story. The story. Miss Robin. (laughs) So, I'm assuming that you you saw the video where Monica had shared with you what was going on with her mom. Just let's take it from there. What what motivated you to say, I'm going to do this? So actually, probably three years prior to that, um, Monica knew that I was looking for someone to come in a couple of days a week and let my dogs out and spend a little time with them. And she said, you know what? I think my mom would really love to do that. And I said, oh my God, because at that time we had a Rottweiler, two pit bulls, um, American Bulldog. I think- Oh my God. Yes. She's crazy dog lady. Uh, yes. Like we, we foster. We foster a lot too. So that is lovely. I love you know, And I know Nancy's listening. So 
you know, please don't beat me. But I was like, okay, can this older lady like handle all my dogs? You know? <laughs> Is she going to be able to do this? And so anyway, long story short, yes, she did it. She was fantastic. We loved every minute of having her here. And, you know, we could see that her health was deteriorating. And I remember she used to donate blood. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for blood donation as well as, as Monica and, and Nancy. And Nancy said, you know, my doctor said I can't donate blood anymore. And I kind of knew something was up. I didn't really know what, because, you know, mm-hmm. she's pretty private with, you know, all of her, her business, which is fine. I didn't want to pry, but I could kind of see that she was slowing down. And she finally told me, you know, I don't, this was March of 2020. She said, I don't think I'm going to be able to watch the dogs anymore. And she said, you know, I feel terrible. I feel like I'm letting you down. And so, I'm the opposite of Monica. I'm emotional about <laughs> So That's why um, I love you. Anyway, so I knew she was really sick because she wouldn't have, you know, she wouldn't have done that because she felt mm-hmm. like she was letting me down and she wasn't. I knew she had to take care of herself. So mm-hmm. um, obviously I knew she needed a kidney. And to be, to be completely honest, like early on, I don't think I really thought about it. Like I just assumed someone would donate their kidney, like in their family or something. I don't, I didn't, I didn't know that much about it. Obviously I knew Monica had donated in the past. And I remember thinking, okay, this lady's nuts. She donated her kidney. Like who does stuff like that? You know, <laughs> and I just, I really didn't think a lot about it, to be honest with you. I'm, it, it's probably a lot like blood donation. You just assume somebody else is going to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't put a whole lot of thought into mm-hmm. it. Well, as kind of time went on and, you know, Monica put her plea out on Facebook, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll get tested. I'll, I'll get tested. Sure. You know, a bunch of our friends were getting tested. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, every time someone would tell me they didn't, they didn't get approved or they got denied, I would think, I know you did because I'm going to be the one to donate the kidney. Yeah. Like, I remember saying that when it's like, oh my God, I was denied. And I'm like, I know, cause it's going to be me. Like, wow. I just knew it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it was just something I was like, and I kept saying, you know what, if I'm approved, if I match, if I'm perfect, then I'm going to do it because it's meant to be like, that's mm-hmm. just right. how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I was a match. Um, I was a pretty perfect match to be honest, which mm-hmm. is pretty rare with mm-hmm. someone who's not, you know, um, related even though we feel like we're related, we're not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And that was, you know, I don't know. Once I found out I was approved and everything was a match, I just was like, okay, I, I told myself if, if I was a match, then it was meant to me and I was going to, I was going to follow it. I remember the day you called to tell us, I can exactly (laughs) remember where I was. I was driving to pick up my mom because she wasn't driving anymore because her eyes had been affected by this kidney failure. She couldn't drive. So I was picking her up from the hair salon or something. I remember you called and you said, are you with your mom? And I said, no. And you said, I said, actually, I'm going to get her. And you said, call me back when she's in the car. And I said, Okay. And I was like, oh my God, I think this is it. I'm not sure. So got mom in the car, dialed uh, Robin's digits. And she said, I'm a match. And you were crying and we were crying. And I'll never forget it. I'll never, ever, ever forget that moment. Of course, I'll never forget you for the, the for, for doing it. But that moment was like the highest high I've had in a long time. So Monica, let me ask you this question. Was there ever a time as, because I know this, this had to be difficult for Nancy 
to be going through, you know, knowing she needed this transplant. Was there ever a time where she felt like, I don't like, I don't, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to get, I can't take, yeah. I can't take the gesture. Is that well, what you mean? Take or? the gesture one, but also mm-hmm. I, and I've, the only reason I'm asking this question is because I've met older people who've needed transplants and they've mm-hmm. honestly just made the decision that, you know what, I, I'm not going to do it. I had a good friend whose father's, he had had one kidney that lasted over 20 years. And then when it was time for a second, he was in his late seventies and she desperately wanted to donate to him. And he said, no, he said, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to let you do that. Was, was there ever a time where you kind of pushed back and said, had those type of feelings or expressed that to you? You'd have to ask her for sure, but I do recall some conversations around that where she was saying, I I just feel like I'm almost, you know, to that age. And I think there is an age, actually, I might even be 75 or something where they don't do them. Is that true or not true? Um, It really just, you know, it just depends on the health um, of the patient because we've seen we've seen people um, into their past 75 who have received. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's no hard husband, and fast rule on that. Yeah. I wife had donated mind. to her husband and they were oh, well cool. past that age. Yeah. It was. Oh, cool. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I, I do remember some conversation around that. I think um, that would have been her, her, her head having those conversations and mm-hmm. not her heart. You know, I, I think her, her soul and her heart knew she, she needed this and she had a lot of time left and this was going to be the greatest gift that would give her yeah. every day she had left here on earth is going to mm-hmm. count on this. So I don't think it was probably anything that even if it was brought up, I don't think it was a real consideration to actually not take the gesture. When I think too, it, it probably, it probably was a blessing looking back that she was with you and Sharon at the time living there. Cause to be surrounded, mm. to have, to have you all rooting for her, for you being her, her kidney champion, her advocate, mm-hmm. you know, just like we're going to move forward. That's just kind of mm-hmm. what I believe. I don't know mm-hmm. that that's, those are, kind, but I just believe I that that's right. kind of the direction. Like we're, we're moving ahead, mom, we're doing this, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, you do need an advocate. And that's why the hospital actually almost assigns an advocate mm-hmm. to you, right? A patient advocate, or is that what you call it? I can't remember what they called it. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and you're right. And we were that for her every day, you know, the days she couldn't even get out of bed to eat, we're feeding her and we're, we're making the calls to, to find the donor and we're, you know, pushing the train along when she was too tired to probably do it. So wow. yes, it was a blessing for That's sure. Huge. And I think it was a blessing and pretty interesting that it was Robin as well, because Robin and my mom got very close during those three years that yeah. they, uh, that my mom worked with Robin or for Robin. And I think that she was so relieved that it was somebody she knew so well. And at the same time, completely panicked that, oh my gosh, I care about her and I don't want her to be, yeah. you know, having a surgery. Like, I think she was torn on it at some level, but in the end, I think she'd probably tell you it, it made all the difference in the world that this person was already somebody she loved. So uh, that's pretty neat. Wow. 
Yeah. I wonder how sometimes how it would be if some brand new person came into our life and is sitting in in Robin's hero cape. I I just, I don't know. I mean, of course we'd love that person the same, but it just makes it all the cooler that, that Robin was already somebody we loved. Right. You guys were already, you know, intertwined and had that relationship. I think that Mm -hmm. just, it makes it that much more special in a lot of ways. So Talk about the days leading up to the transplant and Robin, how you were preparing for that. And and also I want to ask, was there anyone in your, your circle or your family that said, hey, maybe you want to think through this a little bit more or maybe tried to dissuade you from making the decision? I think, yeah, I think that's pretty normal for, mm-hmm. you know, people to be afraid. And um, I did have a lot of people saying like, have you thought about this? Have you, you know, do you know like what the repercussions could be? Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I asked, I, I have one child um, and I asked him, I said, you know, th- I think I asked him after the fact, I said, did you, did you ever not want me to do this? And he was like, um, I know you, like once you said you were doing, you were getting <laughs> tested. There was no, there wasn't going to be any talking you out of this. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I think, you know, everyone has, like with everything, everyone has their opinion and, uh, and everyone, you know, I know the people that were saying those things, it was out of concern and I understand that. So I don't know. I feel like leading up to it. Um, I, like I said, once I, I was, this all happened within, you know, I started getting tested. I think my first like appointment was June 1st or 2nd and I donated September 21st. So it moved pretty quickly. So Um, that was June of 2020. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that so that must have been that was kind of right when they started opening surgeries back up. I don't think they were open then. Like honestly, no. what I was going to do all of my testing was I felt like I was the only person in the hospital. I know I wasn't, <laughs> but there was not anyone sitting around anywhere. So and I I mean, honestly, I will say the the few weeks leading up to once once we picked a date. I was, I was more nervous than I had been the, mm. the entire time. I will say the, the few weeks leading up to it, I don't really know what that, um, I'm in a, like a living donor community group on Facebook. And I think it's pretty normal that people start getting nervous the closer, you know, to surgery. And I would think that's with any surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't, I've only had, I think one other surgery in my life. And that oh, was, wow you know, 20 years ago. So I hadn't been in the hospital and there was some sadness around like, oh, there's not going to be anybody there. You know, I was, you know, the last time I was in the hospital, I had my parents and, you know, so there was a little bit of that, but I was in and out of the hospital so quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was crazy. I, we checked, we had to check in on Monday night uh, to get COVID test. Surgery was at 7 a.m. Tuesday morning and I was home by three o'clock Wednesday. Wow. She was amazing. That was kind of crazy. Like it was, I was, and I was back home and literally, I think I took pain meds. I finished the last of my pain medicine Friday night. I didn't take anything else because I really was, I mean, even in the hospital, they would say like, what's your level of pain on a scale of one to 10? And I would just, Mm -hmm. I'd kind of shrug my shoulders. Like I'm not in pain. So either you guys are doing a fantastic (laughs) job of like staying ahead of it, but I'm not really, I'm not in pain. So amazing. Yeah, the whole process was pretty crazy. Did the surgery occur at UC or at Christ? Christ. Okay, okay. 
which wow. is the only other place I'd ever had a surgery. Well, no, that's where I had my son. So okay, okay, years prior, thirty or thirty-one years prior, I mm-hmm. had my son there. So he was wow. there dropping me off. So that was kind of a moment. Oh wow, um, for us. And but you know, even at that point, he he'll kill me if he listens to this, but he was literally sobbing when he hugged me goodbye that night. And I was like, Brandon, I'm going to be fine. Like, why are you crying? I wasn't crying. <laughs> so Aww. I was like, what is wrong with you? And he was just sobbing. Well, I, I think it, he was scared. I think, yeah. And I, I can only imagine, yes, he was, he was scared for his mom, but probably very proud of you too. Mm-hmm. Just be doing that, you know? And in the midst of a pandemic, I mean, there's just, it's, things were so heavy that time last You're year, right. you know, or the, that's just, and, and not, then I guess, Monica, you couldn't be in the hospital either. No one to help. We could, we were allowed one person at a time post-surgery. So, you know, my sister and I, and a bunch of people who would have loved to have been there, we, you know, we all had to alternate and whatnot. Brandon and I, Robin's son, we were there together Tuesday morning and we were both waiting and saw them, you know, you see up on the screen uh, in surgery and somebody, Robin came out, my mom was still in. Like, I remember we both just sat there, we were doing uh, each other, like he was doing something, I think he was reading or something, I was doing my thing, like we weren't really talking, we were both, I think, so nervous, just holding our breath he got called back to go see Robin. And when he came out, he was an entirely different person and just the relief and he was breathing and he was crying and it was so, and we were hugging in the room and I, I, cause I knew my mom would be okay uh, having this kidney now. And uh, it was very emotional. Brandon and I have known each other certainly, but now we share something an experience, you know, that most people don't ever get to share together. So it was pretty neat. What a beautiful moment. It was really cool. Ugh. Yeah, it was. Oh and he's gosh. such a great, great guy. I mean, he sounds like a great young man. Robin, you man. did a good job. Yes, she did. Yeah. <laughs> she did. He's a good kid. Thank you. Oh. He's a softy. He's got a soft heart. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But it was unique to be, uh, Andy, it was unique to be on the other side of the process. You know, I knew what it was like to have people say thank you a thousand times. And I don't know, I don't even, I've stopped saying thank you to Robin because I feel like the words don't even freaking come close to the level of appreciation and gratitude I have. But I remember that and I'm like, okay, stop. Like, we don't need to say that anymore. And now having been on the other side and seeing how overwhelmed you are with the thought that somebody would give a part of them to somebody that you love so they can live is it's just entirely different experience. Both are emotional, obviously, but it's really the same event happening. The two sides are so different, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing. Mm. I just can only imagine, I know, you know, when you, when you spoke about, donating um to your friend and and how that experience like you were you always expressed gratitude to have gone mm-hmm. through that experience and then mm-hmm. to kind of step on the other side of that and just mm. i can only imagine you know how you feel 
towards Robin, even, I mean, you guys have been friends and known each other, but it just kind of really takes yeah. things to a whole. There's not a day that goes by level. that I don't think about her. And, yeah. and Robin and I don't talk every day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, I know you and my mom talk every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those two are like texting crazy Aww. fools together, which makes me happy um, because I just, I just know that relationship is so important to my mom too. Uh, but there's not a single day, not a single day that goes by where Robin is not in my mind in total, total gratitude. Even if I don't, I haven't spoken with her for a week or something. It's every single day. So are there any plans for coming up for the the September anniversary to to celebrate or... Yeah. What are we thinking? We're going to take Robin out on a night on the town. Night on the town. Boca for dinner. We're going to, I don't know, we're going to pick her up in some big stretch limo or something. (laughs) Do it upright. We should do more than that, I know, but... Baby think, steps. Yeah, I think Monica probably um, is, is, was trying to convey that's how she felt when I feel very uncomfortable with the like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe you did that type of thing. Like, I almost feel like, okay, well, thanks. Okay. Like I was telling, when I talk about it, it's because I want, it's like I do with everything else, with dog adoption, with blood donation, with kidney donation or organ donation. I'm just trying to make people think about something that maybe they haven't thought about before, not trying to say like, oh, look at me and look what I've done. It's more about bringing awareness to it because I know, I mean, Nancy and I talk all the time and that lady tells me she loves me and appreciates me (laughs) constantly. (laughs) Yes, you're right. You're right. And she does. She does. How's Nancy doing these days? Is she feeling good? Is she... She's doing great. She looks like a rock star. She's, she's doing really, really well. Uh, the, the COVID piece, um, obviously we're still being careful because they're not a hundred percent sure if she's got the antibodies, even though she's double vaccinated, they just haven't come out with, I guess, a real level of confidence around that. So Mm -hmm. we're still hiding her in the basement for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Let her come out. Let her come out every once in a while. (laughs) It is. It's a beautiful space that she lives in down there. But, uh, and you know, the, the meds, the anti-rejection meds are obviously they're, they're serious meds, um, and come with some side effects, but I will tell you, she is doing amazing, amazing. It's, it's night and day. It's total new lease on life. And it's just a miracle. It's truly a miracle. Oh, I love it. I love it. And so, Robin, I wanted to touch base on something you just said about you want to it's about bringing awareness. And, you know, what would you what would you say to someone or people listening who, you know, they may have gotten that that tug, as I think Monica calls it, to to do something like this, but they're not sure. What, What would you say to them? Well, I can say, honestly, one of my friends has donated since um, seeing my posts on Facebook. So he donated to a coworker, which is pretty amazing. So now I'm hoping that, you know, he'll, he'll be an advocate as well. I guess, you know, I just had, I feel I sometimes I, I don't want to pressure someone or even tell them my story because I feel like my story was pretty picture perfect. Even at being, I think I was 50, I guess I was 52 a week shy of being 53 when I donated. So pretty healthy, pretty mm-hmm. active. Obviously you have to be healthy to be able to know, to donate. But I literally was back at work in three weeks. Now I don't have a physically demanding job and I worked if, you know, 
I went in part-time for, you know, they want you to take six to eight weeks off, but three weeks I went back and kind of would just work four or five hours, go home. You are, you know, tired those first, mm-hmm. first few months, but honestly, unless someone, unless I feel a reason to be talking about it to someone right now, I kind of forget that I even did it. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, the only thing I miss with two kidneys versus one is my BFF Advil. Like I can't take Advil. <laughs> that's right. And yeah. um, that's about, you know, I drink my water. Um, my, I, I just, the, I would not even know I, I donated. Um, that's the weird thing about you just kind of forget. And then you're like, even knowing that we were doing this call today, I was like, having all the feelings came back that I, you know, you just don't think about it. You don't, right. it's not something you think about in your daily life. But I think if you're, if you're feeling that nudge and just curious, then, then start the process. Like you're not committing yourself by going mm-hmm. through, you know, that is one thing they, they told me, I mean, up until the morning of the surgery, are you sure you want to do this? Are you yeah. sure you want to do this? There's no benefit to you, quote unquote, no benefit to you to do this. Are you sure you want to do this? You can back out at any time. We can give them any reason that you, we don't, you know, we can tell them anything so that you don't feel bad about, you know, not, not following through. But I honestly feel like it's one of the best things I've done in my life. And I don't have one regret about doing it. Actually, the total opposite. I mean, I, yeah. I, I feel very kind of a badge of honor, but like I said, yeah. not in the, not in the, like, I not try not a, to braggy, not in a way. showy way, but yeah. no, yeah, I, I, I completely understand where you're coming from with that. Cause all the cool kids only have one kidney, Andy. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's it's a club. Right. It's a one kidney <laughs> club. <laughs> now I also heard that, that you ladies had t-shirts made. Is that true? Oh my God. Right. We, we had, yeah. So I did go a little overboard, which I tend to do with like <laughs> celebrations. Um, we had, well, I got Nancy a shirt that said kidney thief. So she wore that. And then no. I had a few shirts that said, you know, I'm a kidney donor because who wouldn't want a piece of this kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> we had some fun with it. You know, we had um, some signs made up. We had like a little party at Monica and Sharon and Nancy's house and had a little in the yard only a drive-by yeah oh right right what are those yard signs that said we found a match and um so we had some fun with it along the way you know funny thing about that sign i you know we got it it said um (laughs) we've we found a match we found a match yeah is what it said well we had moved into that neighborhood in december of 19 and of course covid hit march of of 20 so we knew we know maybe one or two neighbors around us we hadn't had any social exposure to meet anybody so nobody knew us nobody knew what our story was why was the mom living there why do they have five dogs what's going on in that house why are there two women and then an older lady like what the hell is going on in this house and then we put out this sign we found a match well we had several people think that it was like a boyfriend for my mom, like that she <laughs> had been on a dating map or something because they didn't have little kidney things. Right. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Oh, oh man. I love that. And I have my, my bean necklace on. So this oh, is my little kidney do. bean necklace. That was a gift from Monica and Sharon and Nancy. Oh, yep. I love that. Tiffany's makes a beautiful little uh, bean necklace. It's perfect Thank for you. kidney donation. Yeah, yeah. I really have one do. as well. So. so is there anything else that you would want to 
share or say to our listeners that we didn't talk about? Robin? I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so. Like I said, if, if you're, if you're thinking about doing it, if you, if you feel this calling and for some reason, then, then follow through with it. I'm, I'm truly in awe of people who donate to someone that they don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's truly a calling if, if you just feel this, but I will say I've been looking into liver donation just and keep going. I think it's progressed <laughs> a lot over the years because like Monica's surgery, my surgery, way different, Two different way things. different. The advancements that they've made in 13 years is unbelievable. So mm -hmm. very, I think, again, Monica's was probably a lot more downtime and a lot more invasive than the surgeries right. that they're doing now. So you know, just ask. I think if, if I feel like if someone if someone has that feeling, then ask someone that's gone through it, get their experience. And, you know, like I said, go go talk to a donor center. You're mm -hmm. not committing yourself just by starting that conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just gathering information. And right. Trying to understand. Um, we, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Monica. I was just going to add that. I, I don't know. You probably know better stats about this or whatever. It, it's became pretty apparent to me that this actual surgery is uh, so perfected. It is, it's not a big risk. I mean, any surgery, of course, is a risk. Mm -hmm. You're going to go under risk. Got it. But as surgeries go, this really isn't one that, that the surgeons worry about. I mean, right. it's, you know, by the time they get to that point, they know how they're going to connect and all of it. And it's just, it feels big. Um, because it's some piece of you in some way, but the right. reality is, this isn't a really hard surgical procedure. Am mm -hmm. I right? Like, am I saying that in the right way? Um, it, well, you are right. Um, in that as far as organ transplants, um, kidney transplants occur most often, right. They're in terms of those common. surgeries yeah. and, right. and you're right. Just, the progression of the of the technology and just advancements in medicine, mm -hmm. it really is more commonplace than I think a lot of people realize. Mm -hmm. So um, absolutely correct. And that's why I, I'm I'm so I'm so grateful that we're able to have guests like you um, and others um, just to come on and talk about their experience being a living kidney donor, because I think this really helps to kind of dispel some of the fear or just lack of understanding about it. And so I think it's great just to be able to shine a light on it and just, and just sharing, sharing your stories. I think it's so important. And I just, I feel like that's, that's how we're able to start to kind of open people's eyes up because most of the people on the waiting list are people who need kidneys and we could absolutely, more of us could step up and, and help, you know, wipe out a large part of that list of, and help those patients. So really you, the number is, is staggering how, how achievable it would be, especially mm -hmm. like just in this area, right? Mm -hmm. the, the list is not thousands and thousands by any means. We no. could give everybody a kidney in yeah. the next year through education and what you guys are doing, which we're so grateful for yeah. not only this podcast, but of course your organization there. Yeah. I wish I had 10 to donate. That's what I say all the time. I do too. I would do it again and again. And <laughs> I again. would too. I would do it again. And I think that alone is, 
is maybe all that someone would need to know is, would you do that again? Yes, I would. And that's what I always hear from from people who've done it. They just absolutely. And, and again, to echo what Monica said, they feel like they gained more from it than the person oh. they donated to. My life you know? has been improved yeah. tenfold since that feeling of like truly leaving a legacy in some way, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, ladies, I really appreciate you coming out and or coming on the show and, and sharing your stories and, and this just beautiful connection that you all have. And Monica, I'm so glad that your mom is doing well. And hopefully once we break through this, you know, COVID stuff, she'll be in a better place to get out and do more. <laughs> oh, yeah, she will. Thanks um, to Robin. Yes, thanks for thanks little Angel Robin. Robin. Yes, and Angel Robin, you're our hero. You're yep. our hero for, for today's episode. And, you know, yes. I know you don't like a lot of accolades, mm. but it took a lot of courage for you just to just to walk walk through this and say, I'm going to do it. And you knew deep down that you were going to be the one. So mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for, for that. Yes. Thank you. So what'd you say? I said, thank you guys. (laughs) No, thank you. So as we end our show today, there are 106,801 men, women, and children in need of life-saving organ transplants. And we were fortunate to be able to speak with Robin and Monica Uh, and learn more about what compelled them to want to give in such a beautiful way. But the fact is there are thousands and thousands of more stories like Nancy's. And the reality is that many people will not survive because their story didn't end with them receiving a transplant. And I'll be honest, this hit home for me personally in the last few months as I've lost two friends uh, who were waiting for kidney transplants that just did not come in time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other reality is that we can prevent this from happening and we can do it in a few different ways. If you're not registered to be an organized tissue donor, as we talked about, seek out the information, do some research, talk with people. You can talk with a medical professional or someone who has gone through the donation experience like Robin or Monica. Uh, You can talk to donor family members, uh, recipients, Uh, We learn through the sharing and exchange of information. And so we need to continue to keep the dialogue going and just be transparent and honest. You can also register to be an organized tissue donor at lifepassiton.org. And you also can do more research about being a living kidney donor because the vast majority of those people waiting, it's about 91,000 people, are those waiting for life-saving kidney transplants. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank my guests. Please be kind to yourself and to others. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by LifeSetter. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the National Transplant Waiting List for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year. 
and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life Pass It On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.